shining a light on podcasts and videos that have caught our attention. The Spotlight with Jen Spiker. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to Leading the Way with pastor and author of more than 50 books, including How to Read the Bible as if your life depends on it, Dr. Michael Youssef. Up next, a practical look at the resurrection. Here's Dr. Youssef to give a preview into the episode. Because Jesus rose from the dead, everyone who placed his or her faith and hope in Jesus alone will be raised from the dead too, just like Jesus. Jesus' resurrection and the believer's resurrection should stand together or fall together. You cannot have one without the other. Stand by for practical truths about life, death, and the resurrection. Before Dr. Yusuf begins, this quick invitation to have a conversation about spiritual things with a Leading the Way pastor or counsellor that'd love to spend time with you addressing any questions you might have. Start your conversation at ltw.org Jesus. You can click over there on your computer or mobile, but do it later. Because right now, here's Dr. Yusuf to begin today's message from his series, Healthy Living in a Sick World. The Apostle Paul gives us six things that every believer in Jesus needs to know one second after you die. He gives us six things that everyone must know. Even if you're not a believer, you need to know what the believers are going to experience. And I pray to God that this may be an incentive for you to become a believer in Jesus today. The first thing Paul tells us in verses 1 to 11 that Christ's resurrection from the dead is the only true resurrection, verses 1 to 11. The resurrection of Jesus Christ after three days in the grave is the absolute foundation of the Christian faith. Without it, Christianity would be just another dead religion. Without it, Christianity just another philosophy of life. Without it, Christianity is not worth a half a hallelujah. And yet, some church leaders in the mainland denominations and now in the evangelical church saying, only Jesus' influence has arose from the dead. Only Jesus rose in our hearts, or that His Spirit rose from the dead. Hear me right, please. No one, no one, no one can claim to be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and would deny the bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus. Now, here's what I need you to focus with me on, because the Corinthians were really not doubting the resurrection of Jesus. They were doubting their own resurrection. And I'm going to show you why their culture has influenced their thinking. And that is why the Apostle Paul ties the resurrection of Jesus with our own resurrection. You see, they say, oh, yeah, he's a divine son of God. He rose from the dead, but I'm not sure about our own. (laughs) And Paul said, The two go together. Why? Because if they get the resurrection of Jesus right, they will get their own resurrection right. If they comprehended our own resurrection to be inexorably linked with the resurrection of Jesus, if they understood that the resurrection of Jesus and our own resurrection are strongly and irrevocably linked 
if they understand that Jesus is the first one to rise from the dead and never, never, never to die again, then they will understand their own resurrection. Make no mistake about it. Even when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, a few years later, Lazarus died. When Jesus raised the son of the widow of Nain from the dead, that young boy grew up and died. But only Jesus had a true resurrection because he rose never to die again. <laughs> Secondly, only believers in Jesus will be resurrected like Jesus. Look at verses 12 to 19. God is saying to us that because Jesus rose from the dead, everyone who placed his or her faith and hope in Jesus alone will be raised from the dead too, just like Jesus. Jesus' resurrection and the believer's resurrection should stand together or fall together. You cannot have one without the other. Can I get an amen? amen? Something else that you need to know. In 1 Corinthians 15, he's dealing with the impact of culture upon the church. And beloved, we see it today. The culture is impacting the church instead of the church impacting the culture. In the first century Greek culture, the Greeks refused to believe and the resurrection of the body. Why? Because they saw the body as evil. Only the soul is good. And therefore, they did not want that soul or spirit to be enclosed in another body. And so they impacted the thinking of the church. The culture of that day believed that the body is a prison cell and the soul is imprisoned by that body, and the soul is longing to be set free from that evil body and from that prison cell. Paul is teaching that the believers will have a new body, resurrected body. And this was unthinkable to the Greek culture that impacted the Corinthian church. The Corinthian believers we're willing to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, they say, because He is divine Son of God, but not the Christian believer. And Paul literally, in this section here, he's saying, if we do not rise from the dead, Jesus was not raised from the dead. And if Jesus was not raised from the dead, the gospel is preached to you in vain, and your faith in Christ is worthless. And all of those hundreds of people who were eyewitnesses of the resurrection, they're all liars. Not only that, but it means that sin is not defeated, that death is not conquered, that victory over sin is impossible, that all the dead believers have believed in vain. Thirdly, Verses 20 to 28, the believers in Jesus live between two Easter's. Two Easter's. The first Easter was the day of Jesus' own resurrection, physical resurrection, bodily resurrection out of the grave. The second Easter is the day when we're going to be appearing in our resurrected bodies. Question, what does Paul mean? by Jesus is the first fruit. What is the first fruit? You got to understand a practice that was practiced throughout the Old Testament to understand what it means, why Jesus is the first fruit of those who rose from the dead, verses 20-28. The first Easter was the first fruit. 
The second Easter is going to be the harvest. Now, the Jews in the Old Testament, they were agrarian society. So what do they do when they see the harvest is ready to be harvested? They take a sample, almost 10% of what the harvest will be, and they will take that ripened fruit, and they'll bring it to the priest in the temple, and they present it as the first fruit. It's the first fruit. Until that is offered to God, they cannot go back and harvest the crop. The same thing happens with the resurrection. The first fruit is Christ's resurrection. That is the first installment. And therefore, our own resurrection is going to be the harvest. Listen to me. There was time when you were not, but there will never be a time when you will not be. Everyone is going to live eternally. The question is, where will you live it? Where would you live it? Can only two locations. Verse 22. He said, Adam was the first fruit of physical creation. Adam was the first fruit of sin and disobedience. Adam was the first fruit of physical death. And the harvest of that crop is our pain and our sorrow, our sin, our grief, our tears, our death. All humanity participated in that harvest. The first fruit was Adam's death and disobedience. But only those who are in Christ Jesus will participate in the resurrection of the believers. Now, I need to make this very clear. Listen carefully. All of humanity became infected with Adam's sin, but only those who belong to Jesus Christ will receive the antidote to that infection. All of humanity caught the bug of death when Adam blew it in the garden, but only those who are in Christ Jesus will have the cure from that eternal death. Oh, listen, I understand. Uh, It doesn't look like it now. I know that. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it because everybody dies. But listen to me, verses 24, 28. God's Word says, the day is coming when Jesus, visibly, before all worlds, before all those who have ever lived, is going to put His enemies in subjection to Him. Fourthly, this life for the believer is a mere dress rehearsal. During Jesus' earthly ministry, there was a a Jewish sect did not believe in the resurrection. Now, most of the Pharisees and all the others believed in the resurrection of the body. But this particular sect called the Sadducees, and if you want to really remember the names, call them, they are sad, you see. (laughs) You say it with me. That's because they didn't believe in the resurrection. (laughs) And here's what Jesus said to them. You neither understand the Scripture nor the power of God. Why? Because, beloved, listen to me, right doctrine produces right living. Right belief produces moral behavior. Biblical knowledge produces power for living. And when the truth is denied, moral disintegration follows. Do I need to illustrate that? Just look around you. When the truth is denied, moral disintegration follows. Look at verses 29 to 34. Paul is telling us that if you remove the resurrection, if you deny this fundamental foundational truth of a God's redemption, if you doubt your eternal future, if you fear what is beyond the grave, 
you will not only live a powerless life, but you will live a messed up life. Why? Because if you see this life as a mere dress rehearsal to the next one, the real one, this one is so short in comparison to eternity, then you are going to live on top of the world in this one. If you see it as a dress rehearsal, you're going to live on top of the world. Oh, listen, I understand. I've experienced it. You have too. Difficulties we may face, pain that we go through, suffering that we may experience. And no matter how many people reject us or deny the faith, no matter what happens, we are on top of the world. Why? Because this life is a mere preparation for the next one. Beloved, our own resurrection is one of the greatest assurance that God gives us, and He gives it to all of His children who have placed their faith in Him. There may be someone who may believe that Jesus is their Savior, but they fear their physical death. Listen to me, sir, madam, <laughs> this fear is directly from Satan. It's not from God. The only reason you would fear is because you're not walking with the Lord. And you need to shake off that fear today. Today you can start seeing this life as a mere dress rehearsal for the one to come. Today you can begin to look forward to your eternal home. Today you can begin preparation for that eternal home. Today you may need to rewrite your earthly will to reflect your anticipation of your heavenly inheritance. Verses 31 and 32, because of that absolute assurance of our own resurrection, the Apostle Paul said he endured hardship, he endured suffering, he endured sacrificing, he endured fighting lions in Ephesus. <laughs> Listen to me. The one and only thing that makes you willing to suffer abuse, ridicule, insult, hardship is the knowledge that this life is only a what? <laughs> Fifthly, verses 35 to 49, there will be what I call a great body exchange a great body exchange. Verse 35, but some may ask, how are the dead bodies raised, and with what kind of body they will come? <laughs> Thank God I don't have to give the answer. The answer is here, verses 36 all the way on to 49. Paul clearly answered this question. It is like a planting of a seed. You put that seed in the ground, it dissolves in the ground, and in its place, there is a whole lot of grain comes up. The same God who is involved in the process of planting and harvesting of the grain is the same God who is involved in the process of our bodily death and resurrection. When He spoke of His own body, in John chapter 12, verse 24, the Lord Jesus said, unless the grain gets into the ground and decomposes, it cannot come again into new life. Hear me right, please. When Jesus was crucified and died on that cross, and then He was buried, His physical body ceased to exist. His physical body, with which He lived for 33 and one-third of a year, ceased to exist. Ah, 
but a new body supernaturally provided to him by the Father. A resurrected body came to its place. Jesus' glorified body was so radically different from his earthly body, so much so that if you remember, the disciples from Emmaus did not recognize him first, and they did later. His glorified body was no longer limited by time and space and natural substance. His resurrected body was radically different, and so will be the resurrected body of every single believer. Listen, while the seed may radically be changed. Listen carefully. This is important because I know there's a question on the mind of many people. I've been asked many, many, many times. While the seed may radically be changed when it's planted in the ground, and when our bodies will disintegrate, but a new plant is going to come. What is that? It's going to be you and me. It's not going to be a different person. It's going to be a different body, but not a different person. Well, think about this with me, okay? When you plant cotton, what do you expect? Wheat? <laughs> no. When you plant corn, what do you get? Expect barley? No. If you plant cotton, you get cotton. If you plant wheat, you get wheat. If you plant corn, you get corn. In the same way, our resurrected body may be radically different, but our identity will be the same. <laughs> oh, we're going to recognize each other. <laughs> we're going to recognize our loved ones. Isn't that a cause for rejoicing? Isn't that a cause for rejoicing? And so after His resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ was the same Jesus, but was radically different body. We will only exchange bodies. That's what's going to happen. We're going to exchange bodies. But we're not going to exchange who we are. Who we are is still going to stay the same. We will have a glorified body. We will have a perfect body. We will not cease to be who we are, but we will have a supernatural body, just like Jesus after the resurrection. That is, beloved, what I call the great body exchange. Are you ready for it? Look at verses 42 to 44. We will say goodbye to this body this diseased body, and receive the undefiled body. We will exchange a decaying body for an eternal enduring body. We will exchange a body that is capable of dishonoring the Lord for a body that will honor Him all the time. We will exchange a body that is weak in resisting temptation, that is weak in resisting sin, that is weak in resisting diseases and brokenness for a body that is immune from temptation, sickness, sin, disease, and pain. We will exchange natural bodies for supernatural bodies. Now, amen belongs here. And it happens the moment you close your eyes in death. You go from the tent to the mansion. And that is why the Apostle Paul tells the Thessalonians, he said, when a believer dies, we do not sorrow like non-believers who have no hope. Why? Because it's only temporary goodbye. It's only temporary goodbye. Number 6, verses 50 to 58. As a matter of fact, verse 58, one of those verses that I often quote when I'm autographic books. Be immovable. 
steadfast. 50 to 58. Someone wrote the following, so let me read it so I don't mess it up. There's a preacher of the old school, but he speaks as boldly as ever. Now, he's not talking about me. (laughs) He is not popular, though the world is his parish, and he travels every part of the world. He speaks every language, and he visits the poor, and he calls upon the rich. He preaches to people of every religion and of no religion at all. And the subject of his sermon is always the same. It's always the same. Oh, he's an eloquent preacher. Often he stirs feelings which no other preacher could. He brings tears to eyes that never weep. His arguments, none able to refute. Nor is there any heart that has remained unmoved by the force of his appeal. He shatters lives with his message. Most people hate him. Everyone fear him. His name is Death. Every tombstone is his pulpit, and every newspaper prints his text. And someday, every one of you will be his sermon. Now, I don't know about you, how you react to something like this. Only you know that. I don't know how you respond to something like this. Do you see it as morbid? Ah, something you want to avoid talking about? Don't, don't mention it. It's not good to talk about it. You see it as you never bring it up in polite company, that's for sure. Then you have a problem. You have a problem believing the resurrection of our bodies. And my friend, if that is the case, I'm going to plead with you. Take care of that today. If you really believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you should be able to look at death in the eye and say, Come on, death, make my day. (laughs) For you will give me an opportunity to receive my glorified body. You will give me an opportunity to see my Lord and my loved ones. You will give me an opportunity to show you that you are no longer master over me. You might think that you have destroyed family relationship. You might think that you have a broken family love. You might think that you can bring grief to my loved ones. But, oh, death, you cannot torment me anymore because Jesus broke your sting Jesus destroyed your power. Jesus had rendered you toothless. He declawed you, He defanged you, and He disarmed you and destroyed you. And because of this, I will stand firm. I will be immovable. I will be steadfast. It will always be because I know that my toil and my labor for the Lord is not in vain. This is Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Well, can you look death in the eye with confidence in the power of Jesus? If not, let's talk about it. Reach out to one of Leading the Way's pastors or counsellors by filling out a short contact form at ltw.org slash Jesus. ltw.org slash Jesus. 
thank you for joining listeners around the world for today's message. Do listen again soon. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.